I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Welcome and keyless ally, Spectres, to a very special episode of the Mass Effect Lorecast, where we are going to dive into the game's music that moved us, the sounds that brought excitement, the sweeping chords that reminded us of our humanity, the score that hit us deep, and at times, the same music that summoned tears to our eyes. And to help me explain, we are joined by two incredibly intelligent guys with very deep backgrounds in music and theory. One of them, Andrew, a.k.a. Pipe Man, an internationally recognized composer and percussionist. And the other, Mike Basick, an orchestra musician with over a decade of experience and the orchestra manager for one of the world's top conservatories. Mike, Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. And, you know, best of all, uh, they're both huge Mass Effect nerds, just like we all are here on the Lorecast. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And, of course, full disclaimer, uh, both of you are patrons of the show. So, if, if listeners think that your voices sound familiar, that might be why. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to hear, and I think that our audience is, is very interested to hear, some backgrounds that you have in music. Uh, so, Mike, if you want to start, uh, you know, start us off, tell us a little bit about the background you have with music. Hi, I'm Mike Basick. I'm a percussionist as well. I'm primarily an orchestra musician, and I've been, you know, playing with the orchestras and auditioning for orchestras for, you know, over ten years, and uh, you know, studying with people all over the country. I've been in Chicago, Wisconsin, Boston. Now I'm in Los Angeles, um, and I've spent my life, you know, studying with people in the Boston Symphony, New York Philharmonic, Los Angeles Philharmonic, et cetera, learning all I can about uh, orchestra music and music in general. And now I am lucky enough to be still gigging, taking auditions, things like that, while I'm also the orchestra manager for one of the top conservatories in the world. And Andrew? Um, I am also a percussionist, so um, my apologies if Mike and I start, you know, swapping jokes that nobody's going to get, but... uh, um, I started uh, I started percussion pretty early, um, about age four. Um, I dented the crap out of a pair of really nice candlesticks that, uh, you know, instead of killing me, my mom said, well, I guess you need drum lessons. <laughs> and uh, fast forward X years later, um, I did a uh, enlistment in the U, uh, in the United States Marine Corps. Um, both as a rifleman and as a musician. Um, I studied at the Armed Forces School of Music and then uh, was actually posted there as the staff composer and arranger. Um, and then following that, I got my uh, undergrad degree. And as of now, I have now released f- uh, three albums of music and I now own a recording studio. So hoping to get some more music out there soon. 
Well, both of you have infinitely more experience in the musical realm uh, than I do, and undoubtedly more talent. I uh, The last time I picked up an instrument, I was in middle school, and I played the trumpet. So uh, please hold the jokes to a minimum there. Uh, but and you know most listeners I imagine probably don't have much uh, musical experience either. Uh, so let's get started somewhere simple. Do either of you have the music of the Mass Effect games saved in your libraries? And when do you listen to it? Absolutely. Yeah, I have a, a giant playlist of uh, not not the soundtracks because if you actually look at the soundtrack. Uh, they don't include all the tracks usually. I have a giant playlist of every single piece of music that was in the original trilogy, at least. I'm still working on Dr- Andromeda, and so I don't want to uh, have any track titles spoil anything for me. But that's the music I listen to almost every single day at work when I need something going on in the background. I, it really inspires me and uh, gets me pumped up. Yeah, I actually, it's funny. I also have a playlist of all of the Mass Effect soundtrack stuff um, that I love to listen to when I'm driving. Um, And not just the Mass Effect soundtracks, but I've also been introduced to Fonts and a couple of the other artists who contributed to the Mass Effect scores. Um, And I... They, they're, it's great music, whether for background or, you know, even something just to sit down and just listen to, you know, turn off the phone, turn off everything else and just just listen to it and enjoy it. So, um, yeah, there's, although there's meditation tracks. But, yeah, and, you absolutely. know, you mentioned driving. You got to be careful with the driving because there's there's some Mass Effect tracks that are just too intense and you, you might end up going 100 down a 35 uh yeah oh, you mean, I, I totally you, mean the, uh, you mean the attack on palavin yeah that yeah that's the track i'm not allowed to listen yes. to <laughs> yes that and uh the last run the final the suicide mission theme song from mass effect 2 and specifically the very end of it uh but you know i i, I digress um, for me it's uh it's betrayal from mass effect 3 but because i'm driving away from my feelings <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I like to listen to a lot of instrumentals too in my day-to-day life and, um, and often when I'm driving, uh, I don't know, maybe that's because I'm like a huge nerd and I enjoy imagining myself in all of these fantastical scenarios, you know, uh, but, but how do some songs do this? You know, not every song in my library lets my mind wander. Uh, let's me imagine, you know, I'm the hero climbing from this rubble victorious, you know, I don't. I don't think of that um, when I am listening to John Mayer. Uh, so, what is it about, say, that song after the boss fight with Saren in Mass Effect One that is so heroic? What are some com- commonalities in these tracks like those? In other words, you know, if I am a composer and I'm wanting to make a stereotypically epic heroic track, what do I need? Well, to start out, we'll get very in detail with that soon, and. Uh, part- Uh, Funny you should mention that I'm going to particularly talk about the climbing from the rubble at the end of Mass Effect 1 scene. Um, But I guess it's important to start out and say that music is supposed to do that sometimes, but not always. That's why you would feel a little different listening to a soundtrack than you might 
listening to something on the radio, listening to your John Mayer or Nicki Minaj or something like that. Music can do a lot of things and uh, composing and performing music is a craft just as much as it's an art. And the, the composers, especially for scores like uh, video game soundtracks, movie soundtracks, et cetera, are very, very well honed in the craft of making you feel a very particular thing a very particular way at a very particular time. So I think I'm actually going to answer your question a bit more directly. Um, you know, what what does it take to make you feel like heroic and, you know, badass and all that? And I'm just going to say it's just like a full section of horns, man. That's that. That'll that'll do it for you. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> not wrong. Get you no. feeling pretty pretty horny. No, that's not the word. Um, <laughs> we can edit that out. No, that's that's no no no. That's that's what she said. That was good. Um, <laughs> I was well, hoping to fit in one of those jokes, uh, especially right, with a. That's your one a, for the episode. Right? <laughs> that's that's my one. That's my one. Um, but you know, you brought up a good point. You know, Mass Effect is a pretty iconic game soundtrack. At that. I, I honestly can't remember a ton of video games uh, songs by name beyond Mass Effect soundtracks. And yes, I'm a little biased. I literally go by In Seven Legend, so uh, I'm a little biased there. Maybe I can think of one or two other games, right? Um, movies, that's a different story because their uh, soundtracks get praised all the time and they have for years now. But not video games. Not really, anyway. And that's starting to change, I think. So, what about the Mass Effect soundtracks makes the songs so memorable? What makes them so powerful, so moving? Such an enhancement to the narrative where other games' songs were, I don't know, gamey, so to speak. Well, it's, it's funny you bring up a, an interesting point that, you know, video game scores are not, or were not, I should say, recognized for their impact you know, until fairly recently. And I think we have to, we have to sort of look at, you know, what was early video game music? It was all eight bit music that, you know, reminds you of like your Nokia cell phone ringtone. I hope I'm not too old to say that, but, um, you know, games nowadays have these sweeping orchestral scores and these just absolutely, you know, uh, astounding, it's an astounding level of detail and sound exploration. So I think we're finally, we're finally sort of given the tools as composers, you know, tools to, to make these, to make these soundtracks, you know, match that of movies and, um, and symphonies. And, so, you know, I, I imagine to get more specific than that, that there needs to be certain instruments that are used to achieve that effect, right? We already said the horns. Um, and and speaking of that, you know, we hear a lot of typical sci-fi sounds from the get-go in Mass Effect. Uh, I'm thinking particularly Mass Effect 1, right? We hear those synthesizer sounds. But what are those instruments, the other ones, that we're actually hearing? So, um, yeah, so we all, when we all think of like sci-fi, we think of all this synth music. Um, and I know Mike will probably talk about this um, later, but you know, getting inside the head of Jack Wall, who wanted a, a, a perfect marriage of synthetic 
and acoustic sounds. Um, he decided to reach into his, you know, toolbox, if you will, um, to find not only sounds that were acoustic and, um, you know, more, maybe more traditional in, in the sense of what we think of as music, but he also, he also decided to reach abroad and maybe in, maybe into cultures that we don't necessarily, you know, aren't necessarily familiar with. And um, I think one of the best examples of this is um, back when he scored the Myst soundtrack. You remember the the computer game Myst from like the early 90s? Yeah, one of the first ones to depict full uh, scenescapes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he had he has this like really fun you know signature that I think he uses, and um, it's this. And I don't want to spoil it yet, so I think what we should do is we should listen to it first and see if we can pick out what the sound is. So, um, and this hap- this actually happens in Mass Effect One, um, particularly in the wards. So, if we listen to the wards, see if you can pick out um, one instrument that just doesn't quite sound like the rest. So, wow. so you're telling me that this this instrument has been part of some of my favorite tracks for like 15 years now. And until now, I have never heard its name before. So it, it, it's funny because neither did I until I had played that game. And I went, what the heck is that? And it turns out that that weird sort of instrument that you're hearing in the background is called a duduk. And I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. But, uh, you know, if you're Armenian and I'm, you know, feel free to correct me later. So a duduk is a, it's an Armenian wind instrument um, that uh, it's, it's a, it's made out of apricot wood and it's a double reed. So, you know, usually you think of oboe or bassoon, um, you know, if you really want to go orchestral, cor anglais, schwam. Um, so anyway. Using so this instrument, um, you know, it's a highly exotic. You know, it's you, know, you almost never see it um, unless you're like a colossal nerd composer who likes to find those things. In which case, you jump on the internet and you find one, which I did. <laughs> um, you did. So you have one here. I did. Right I now. did. Uh huh. Yep. So I have I have here a duduk and. As soon as I play, I, I think you'll be able to go, oh, that's the sound that, you know, I miss or, you know, that's what it's called. Well, this is awesome. Yeah, play this for us. Wow. So this this does bring back some memories, especially from the uh, from the first game. 
And, you know, the, the first game did have some hard sci-fi aspects to it, like you mentioned with the synthesizer, but, and I love the way you phrased that, you know, the, the, the marriage of synthetic and acoustic. And it's so, that, that phrase, the way that you put that is so Mass Effect to the marriage of synthetic and organic. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, the, it's more like the synthesis, but, you know. It's, it's very synthesis. So, so you're telling me that Jack Wall would basically be an advocate of the synthesis ending if we only judged him by the music that he made. And, and <laughs> so <laughs> I'm getting way off topic. But anyway, uh, that, is that the only time that we hear the Duduk? No, um, actually it's not. Um, another great example is actually in um, – uh, probably in one of our favorite tracks as a community, um, which is uh, Vigil. So, you know, as we if we play Vigil, you know, it's brief, but see if you can pick it out. So it's you can you can kind of hear it in the background there, right? It's like like I said, it's it's an exotic instrument, so we kind of we have to kind of use it like icing on a cake, right? Right. You can't, and that you know. is when the player gets to Ilos, right? Vigil is the Prothean VI uh, that we that we finally end up getting to speak to something from the Prothean era, uh, and that's right before the final push in Mass Effect One, and. I think you said that the Vigil theme is also reused for a pretty iconic moment in the entire game series, right? Well, I th- I th- it's it's funny because, um, and I, I think Mike knows more about this, but, um, you know, Vigil, the only times we really hear it are at major plot points, you know, major impacts. But we also hear it one other time, and that's before we even start the game. So something I'm going to talk about a little bit later is uh, the idea of something called a leitmotif, which is when music is supposed to represent a very particular thing. It's supposed to, in in your mind, make you feel a certain feeling, or it can be something extremely specific. For example, uh, in in Mass Effect, maybe uh, the Normandy itself has a, a musical theme, something like that. Maybe uh, Liara's fingernails have a particular theme. That's how specific it, <laughs> it can get. And I actually have a big theory because if you think about it, there is a lot to the actual vigil scene itself. But I don't think anybody plays Mass Effect and is like, oh, the most moving scene that I just can't ever stop thinking about was talking to a old Prothean computer program. Now, I don't, like even- <laughs> I'm, Yeah, I might be a nerd there uh, because yeah. I, I, I love that scene so much. I, I know, yeah, it's, it's very important. The Citadel is a trap and all that. But I actually think that what Vigil is supposed to do, the music, I mean, the, the, the track, is I think it is supposed to make you think all the way back to when you opened up Mass Effect 1 for the first time and you see the title screen. When you see new game options continue all all that stuff because if you think about it when when do you hear vigil then throughout the games like later in the series it's always 
moments where somebody's uh, story has either started again because somebody came back into the game or some something where somebody's personal character arc has kind of uh, come to a conclusion, like, say, the end of Rannoch, where some, somebody has overcome this big uh, thing that was motivating them through the entire game. And I think that Vigil is supposed to give you this nostalgic sense of being like, wow, look how far we've come. That's a really great way to put it, um, because that is exactly how I felt on Ilos. I That's exactly how I felt. I mean, even before the second and third games came out, I remember getting there, hearing that music, and then it's very clear. It's the end of the game. You know, the, there's the rush to the beam. And I just thought, wow, like, I've come so far. And then as soon as you finish it, you, like, go right back into it, right? Because, like, if, if anyone's like me, that they, they just wanted to start a new playthrough immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. after finishing the game which is only a, f a couple of hours of gameplay after vigil uh and then what are you greeted with when you start the new game that song again uh so it's kind of cyclical I, I like that but that's you know the duduk was used in vigil duduk i've never heard that before extremely exotic to me but a lot of familiar music or a lot of familiar instruments are used in the production of the music too is right pipe man yeah um well, it's funny because, you know, we've now, so now that we've come sort of full circle and talked about familiarity, um, you know, it's, it's fun to use like things you've never, you know, instruments you've never heard of and, and, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, as equally as impactful, I think, is the use of, you know, one of the most familiar instruments available to us, which, you know, a piano. Right. I mean, how simple is a piano? It's just, you know, it, it makes up whatever percentage you want to, you know, you want to guess as, you know, to mainstream music and to, um, you know, it's, it's this, it's this fami almost familial instrument that can, it can play anything. It can be a part of, it can be in the background. It can be a solo. It can be, um, and I think it's really important to, sort of reestablish at that connection with the listener and to say, Hey, just, so you know, you know, it's, uh, right. Because if things are too foreign, yeah. you're going to lose people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, as, as fun as like some of this exotic music is, yeah, you it's music in this case is not necessarily to be listened to on its own. Music and video games is so is, is supports. It supports what, what's going on on screen. It is, an accompaniment it is you know maybe maybe half of the experience but it's still just half of the experience so you know to to sort of kind of bring everything back once in a while and you know reestablish that that's that intimate connection i think is really really important yeah so. and there's and there's so we have the exotic you know we have the familiar so we have those those opposite ends of the spectrum there uh but there's also the current chronological opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to music in mass effect uh right yeah um and you know it's one of these other like tools that we use as composers um you know there's a there's kind of an adage that artists decorate space and composers decorate time and one of the one of the biggest lessons that i learned in college is when less is more, 
you know, we always we'd love to see these scores that are just <laughs> pages of just ink everywhere, super intense, super um, high energy, and you'd be surprised that the that when you when you start taking things out or when you take out everything completely, it can have it can have the same weight, and I think um, I think when you're so is this like effect, the is this the Three, musical equivalent yeah. of like when when really famous chefs deconstruct a dish? Yeah, that's actually that's a really good analogy. Um, you know, it's like let's let's uh, let's not be fancy. Let's let's take a, a really introspective look at something super simple. Um, and I think it's illustrated really well by uh, Lieutenant Cortez in Mass Effect Three. It is. Um, I know when you're um, when he's he's sort of going through the the morning and process processing of the loss of his husband. Um, you, you meet him on the, uh, in the docking bay. Um, he's just watching ships go by and he makes this comment about turning off the audio emulators and just watching the drift. And it, there's a, there's, there's a certain, I don't know if it's a certain piece that I think kind of comes with that. And, you know, for a John, moment of stillness. Yeah, John Cage was famous for writing four minutes and thirty-three seconds, which is, I mean, it's silence, which a lot of us, you know, a lot of the community saw as yeah, that's a waste of time. Like, you know, but uh, some colleagues of mine actually performed it, and there was so much happening in that silence. It was you get to hear like some of the audiences noises and shuffling in their seats and so it's literally just silence it it was it was it's literally just silence um and it it, i think it's a great way to sort of reset the human brain and say just be in the moment and enjoy enjoy the silence and there's the i think there's a there's a phenomenal example of this in me2 when you start playing it's the very opening um where uh, Shepard gets spaced, right? The collectors attack oh, yes. and it just, it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds. And there's a moment when the music just cuts off and there's a, there's a, there are maybe a couple of muted explosions and we're left mm. with the sound. Well, I won't spoil it here. Let, let's, let's listen to it. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can play it right now. So, wow, yeah, that that uh, that clip always gets me because it's just to- total chaos, right? And you hear the music shortly before then. You're trying to put Joker in the escape pod and at, at the very least save Joker's life. And then the ship blows up, Shepard gets thrown into space, and there's 
all of a sudden, no more explosions. There's no more music. It's just silence, right? Uh, and wow, yeah, that that has that has some serious impact. I mean, just the the va- literal vacuum, the literal and audio vacuum that's created, and you just hear Shepard struggling to breathe, is, is I, I I think it's just a, is a brilliant scoring decision. It is, it is. Um, and then there's this the the simple piano accompaniment after that. Uh, shortly after that, I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking uh, about. Uh, yeah, again, it's this, um, this, this. Um, This really sort of ethereal, simple. Again, let's 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 bring it back to familiarity. We just shocked the you know shocked your pants off by killing your main character. Okay, well, let's let's you know let's reestablish that connection, and I think it's a great way to do it. Yeah, so, something that's important to remember is. We use words like simple a lot versus complex, uh, familiar, things like that. And I, I think it's easy to conflate simple with, you know, devoid of art or, or simple can be complex. Simple can be in, have an incredible intelligence behind it. And I think one thing that composers do is they use simplicity to direct your attention somewhere. So what? Mm. When le- Shepard gets spaced, think about that scene. Silence. Then, what grabs your attention? What do you? Well, what's the first thing that you hear? Because it's not piano. Oh well, I was going to say the first thing I thought was, well, what the hell are we doing now? Uh, <laughs> Shepard's dead. Um, but no, I, I actually. <laughs> I can't remember what I'm hearing before I hear the piano. Right before that, you hear when uh, Shepard's suit rupture starts leaking. And you hear you, it kind of, you get that almost deafening silence and you just hear Shepard panic breathing. And then that kind of fades out. And it really, mm-hmm. silence directs your attention to that. A simple piano melody with nothing else behind it forces you to listen to only what's happening at that time and it's a it's a great compositional technique and storytelling technique for when when something i mean something insane just happened you just got attacked there are explosions everywhere people screaming all this stuff and then there's like silence and it's like yeah here yeah this is exactly uh, what you need to pay attention to another analogy right you sometimes you're going to get more attention by whispering than you are by yelling right um, especially when there's been so much yelling going on. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally get that. And not to make another cooking analogy, I don't know if you can tell I'm hungry, but uh, it serves as a palate cleanser, right? It serves as a musical palate cleanser, which is probably a good time to do that in the beginning of uh, Mass Effect 2. So no, I think it's a great. That's a great, great way of putting it. It's because our ears get tired our brains get tired of processing sound you know so you might as well take advantage of those moments of you know of pause and 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 add emotion to it yeah it's a it's a a gamer's sigh of exhaustion and recoup and I, i see here 
in the uh, in the notes that uh, you all have produced that that I see something about theory and composition techniques found in game. So I'm very interested to hear about this. Where do we see this in the game, and what techniques are we seeing where? So we, I mean, we we've actually we've actually been talking about some techniques already, such as the use of silence, instrumentation, orchestration. Um, but there are a couple of really really neat ones that. Um, I think I think would kind of fit in really well to a uh, composing for dummies course. Um, so the first one um, is ostinato, which is um, an Italian word, and an ostinato is a it's a repeating pattern. You know, it could be rhythmic, it could be melodic, it could be um, it could be in harmony, um, and it's a it's a really neat technique to use, especially when there's other stuff going on. Um, so we're in the game, the video game medium. So we're focusing on things. We're trying not to die. We're, you know, trying to score with, you know, pick you know choose your romance. Um, but we still want music, but we don't want it to really interrupt anything. We don't want anything too complicated. So, like, let's say you're you're exploring the galaxy, right? You're trying to find all those planets that you haven't mined yet. You're like, where the heck am I supposed to find, you know, Nasana Dantius's what sisters, college roommate, whatever? So, and I know Michael talk about this particular track later for its significance, but the music that we hear during during the whole like the galaxy map, it's just a pattern. So. Imagine So I'm just playing that on the piano over and over again and then we can gradually add some additional flavors to it. So Let's, let's, awesome. let's, like, let's, let's change some of the harmonies a bit. But that hand just stays the same. And it And it that just, of course was the Uncharted Worlds theme. The, exactly. So it's it's super simplistic but highly effective in in the need that it that it fulfills um and you know we see this happen a couple of other times in the game when we want to be focusing on something else but we just we need that sort of foundation so let's take for example this So, and you reckon you can recognize that as being right. I'm I'm feeling weirdly horny. No, go on. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're welcome. So we we use these techniques in you know in certain settings to sort of establish establish a foundation and just provide that little drive, that little engine that keeps puttering in the background, keeping you going. Um, and we can even like if if you play through the end of the game. 
I mean, listen to Fonts M4 Part 2. It's this. It's oh this, no way! Yeah, it's this driving ostinato, which it it which does change, but it's a it's a it's minimalistic, but it it keeps that energy going all the way through the end of the credits. So it lit- yeah, it literally goes from the uncharted worlds, which um, if you're unfamiliar with the track name, the uncharted worlds is what we see when we are going and exploring those side planets in Mass Effect One in the galaxy map. Uh, that's uncharted worlds, correct? And then there's the love theme which is whoever you're going to romance, it uses the same theme, I'm pretty sure, right? In Mass Effect, uh, at least the first game. And then at the credits, like you just mentioned, there's fonts by, uh, or M4 by fonts. Uh, It's part two, though. Uh, And that's the credits song, which is a kick-ass rock song, by the way. And I highly encourage everyone to go check that out. That song's amazing for running. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. And it's um, actually, if you get the chance, listen to part one, Actually, listen to the whole album. It's the I think the album's actually titled M4. Um, I think I'm not entirely sure, but um, they're a, they're a phenomenal group. Go check them out. Really good music. Yeah, yeah, and I see here you have something written about. Uh, and forgive me, my pronunciation is going to be terrible. Oh, this is uh, be it's good. the mix mixolydian mode. Is that it? Yes. So, um, so we, we've we've sort of tweak we've sort of toyed around with rhythm you know and and patterns now let's now let's sort of tweak melody in the western in the western world of music we are super familiar with a major a, a scale you know i mean how many i don't know how many scales you played on trumpet over and over and over again you know it it it's like it's like one of those over and over and over again but what you can what you can do is you can sort of tweak them and what we and I'm without getting into you know too deep here um we let's let's take let's take that that scale that we played and we're going to adjust a couple of notes so we're going to start um let's say we're going to start down here and we're going to play the same thing but with this note altered it sounds kind of weird it's like You'd, you'd never know where you want to use it until like sour milk right but let's <laughs> okay so let's let's add let's add let's add just like some more to it and we have vigil right and i'm second screen and there you uh, go starting a new playthrough there's a there's a great interview with jack wall and um he said you know i've i've always loved this this mode this collection of notes it sounds so pastoral so celtic well ironically it is celtic because if um if you've ever played bagpipes no okay um (laughs) that is the collection of notes that you have on the lead on, on the chanter, on the on the pipe that plays the melody, is the so it's like a bagpipe scale has been transcribed to a piano, uh, or well, not a piano in, in this case, in this case, but yeah, everything. So wow, that's amazing. That's why it sounds Celtic because it is. So 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 <laughs> you're saying music can sound of a certain. You can tell where music has come from in the world, even if you've taken it out of the the native instruments. 
to a to, yeah exactly to a certain extent yes um we borrow from other cultures we you know it's it's such an eclectic sort of melting pot of of uh you know of ideas that you know it's it is fairly mixed but you can you can still pick out oh i think i know where this came from or where did this originate and yet it's all you know it's all unified under one banner uh similar to the protheans themselves so uh well sorry, I mean, i'm bending they, over exactly. backwards here to now you're good to, to make the to make the mass effect references but but yes the uh that's so awesome about vigil and i now want to hear vigil on bagpipes really bad uh i'm probably gonna look that up at some point i'll do it after if you're if you're if you're nice i'll 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 play it after the mid-break oh yes yes i'm gonna be <laughs> crossing my fingers and toes for that one um, now I, I see you have a, a couple more examples of when the music is supposed to make us feel certain things in Mass Effect. Yeah, and and I I mean I threw this in um, just I mean because Mike is going to talk about this a lot. It's I mean this the the whole point behind music, especially as an accompaniment or as a um, as a support for gaming TV is to help elicit feelings. Um, I was sort of playing around yesterday um, trying to learn some of this music because none of it's published. Um, so it's uh, it's been a lot of listening and trial and error to try to figure some of this stuff out. Um, is that we have some of these, you know, these moments where we know we feel a certain way, but we're not sure why. Um, and I, there's a, the example that I... Um, I think is a, is a nice summary is the Citadel music when you go to the Citadel for the first so, time for the first time. Now we're not going to play the clip, um, but I, I, I think I'd, I'd like to describe at least the feelings that I sort of associate with it. So we, st- we, we start at the very beginning. Okay. That's the theme from the main theme, right? Sounds good so far. Oh, okay. So we've we've increased the energy a little bit, but we're still we're still we're kind of hesitant. And then we get this big reveal. Anticipation. 
finish it with something recognizable. <laughs> That's so awesome. That brings, so, <laughs> that brings a smile to my face every time. So that track was actually composed by Richard uh, Jakes. Um, and it's it's a really neat way to see how themes kind of come back and they, they, they sort of tug and pull this whole idea of tension. Right? It's dissonant. We, we want it to go somewhere and release. Let's, yeah, this is how we play with your emotions. Oh, if there's one thing that Mass Effect plays with, it's our emotions. It is our emotions. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, that when we first go to the Citadel in Mass Effect 1, I remember the feeling is so grandiose and the music reflects that, of course. Um, but I think even if you took the music out, it would still feel grand because of the animations and whatnot that are going on. But the music just adds to it so much. And, yeah. and I'm seeing that now and I'm hearing it now. Um, and there's only one other moment, I think, that is in the games where I feel such an intense uh, emotion. It's different. It's not like this grandiose sense of exploration and look at this amazing marvel of technology floating out here in space. But it's much more down to earth. And I make that pun intentionally because I am, of course, talking about the beginning of Mass Effect 3. Oh, boy. It's, yeah, it's, it's the moment that we all just sort of lose ourselves um, where we have this sort of kind of, uh, if I can describe it here, it's nice, it's fairly simple. simple right we'll get this going and then wait we got reapers back back to this this delicate sort ofness and then we're interrupted again and it's 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 the back and forth between this, um, this, this such a light ethereal, ethereal ostinato in the top, and the absolute interruption of of everything as this reap this reaper destroyer comes down and fries everything, and it's a it's such a poignant track, such yeah, a poignant and, track. And- Poignant is, I think, the perfect word to describe that. It's powerfully tragic. Uh, and, yeah, and describing the Reaper, uh, the Reaper's sound in the song in and of itself is interrupting. Like, it is it is literally interrupting just as the Reapers are pretty much everyone going about their business on Earth. And even Shepard standing trial in Mass Effect 3. And all of a sudden, Reaper, <laughs> you know, boom. <laughs> so and let's, it, everything's... Let's, Exactly. Let's uh, we'll we'll depict that musically as well. And I think you know? musically it does a good job of kind of like you know these enormous sentient machines come from outer space, right? And Shepard's trial was probably one of the most notable things that was going on in the Alliance at the time, right? And yet that problem is dwarfed immediately from the Reapers' land. Like everyone's going about their humdrum lives. 
and everyone thinks that they have their own problems and oh my god my problems are enormous yada 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 and all of those problems are immediately made to look minuscule minuscule just like the high notes in that song the ostinato like you were mentioning (laughs) just like those are made minuscule by the powerful reaper noise right like I, I just think that narratively that those things that them mirroring each other is just so amazing. I think so. also we we've talked a little bit about silence and what that does. It I think it we sh- I have a, a little theory that a lot of these moments are actually almost supposed to suggest your character having PTSD or something like that because. Uh, having tunnel vision is something that happens in situations like that. If you have a, if anybody here has ever uh, gotten hit in the head with a baseball like I did and get a concussion, like you get tunnel vision and you stop hearing the things around you. And so a lot of these big impactful moments are times when all of the ambient noise goes away and all we have is what's in front of us and the music. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, poignant is uh, that's going to linger in my mind to what we've just talked about. And, you know, I'll give everyone a little bit of a, a little break because we've just like thrown a <laughs> lot at you, mm-hmm. right? Well, I uh, hope, in terms uh, of music, in terms of uh in terms of mass effect, right? And, and unless you have another example. Uh, well, no, I don't know. I'm I'm I uh I'd have to go learn something, but um <laughs> I I hope that it was at least we could start to because I know Mike is going to talk more in depth about some of the technicalities. Um, but I think, you know, now that we, we know some terms, we know some techniques, um, you know, I, I, I hope that will be helpful in us sort of understanding and, you know, really having something to connect with in the second half. Definitely. And I greatly appreciate, you know, you, you learned these for this episode partially, right? And the other reason was for fun. Uh, yeah, the other 90%, right? <laughs> the other 90% was for fun. Um, but regardless, I really appreciate you learning that and, and, and letting us hear it live. You know, that was pretty awesome. Uh, and so I'm going to give the audience a little break to think about, uh, you know, like a little ruminate on all the uh, advanced concepts that we just talked about and how they relate to Mass Effect and whatnot. And uh, we're going to go to the mid-break. And since Tom is not able here to, to, to join us tonight, he's going to be covering the mid-break. And so I will catch you in just a few minutes. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So uh, here we are in the middle of the show, and I'm sure you can tell by the the sound of my voice that I'm still uh, 
Still trying to get over this cold. Um, man, I, I always miss out on the fun episodes. It's like I get sick or have a migraine or something. But um, I'm I'm on the mend. I'm feeling a little bit better today. But uh, man, I wish I could have made this episode. I'm sitting here editing everything, listening to how awesome this conversation is, and just wishing I had uh, been in a little bit better of a of a health situation last night in order to have been able to join them. But I'm glad you guys are getting to enjoy the episode while I'm sitting here editing everything together. And um, thank you, especially to all of our patrons. You guys are amazing. Thank you for being here and supporting the show and being a part of it, even even when I can't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you guys you guys make it worth it. And and my dogs are barking in the background. And this is what happens when I do editing and recording in the middle of the day. But um, big thanks to our tier five patrons. We've got Pipe Man and Sovereign and all of our patrons, all 46 of you for helping to support the show. N7 and I very, very much appreciate it. You guys are absolutely the best. Also, um, we are still looking for some science uh, experienced individuals, people who, who know astrophysics. Uh, we'd like to talk to you about mass relays and FTL and the science behind the concepts of mass effect. So if you know anybody in that field or you yourself happen to have a background in that, like an official scientific background in those things beyond what we can do researching or any of us can do researching these things, somebody who actually teaches or works in that field, please reach out to us, let us know. And if you happen to know any dog teachers or anybody who can handle getting your dog to be quiet. Let me know about that as well. Um, no new uh, patrons this week and no new uh, reviews or ratings, but <laughs> that's that's all that's going on. I'm going to save you from some more dog barks and let you get back to the rest of the episode because there's just so much more awesome stuff for you to listen to. And um, if you if you do enjoy this episode and everything that Sam and I put together for this show, then please check out patreon.com slash mass effect lorecast for the ad free episodes and the ability to join us at the end of every month, which is coming up in just a week. There's already some discussion happening on the Patreon or on the discord. Oh man, my brain is still, still mush on the discord about what we're going to be talking about next week on Sunday night, which is the 30th. So come join us on there. And if you'd like to sign up, there's still time for you to sign up. We might be talking about mass effect, the TV show and what we think they might do with that and who we would cast in that show and that kind of thing or our expectations for the next game. There's all sorts of topics being thrown around out there. All right. I'm going to let you guys go. Thanks for thanks for being here. See you guys later. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. And we are back. So we were just talking about leaving Earth. The track in Mass Effect 3, the very famous one, I think probably most people's favorite, right? In, in terms of how powerful it is. And I know that leaving Earth was composed by a pretty big name, right? So actually, a lot of these uh, were composed by pretty big names, particularly in the video game world. I'm sure uh, a lot of us have heard of Jack Wall, uh, a composer who I would say is primarily known for video games. And if you're familiar with the event uh, Video Games Live, where a uh, it's essentially a rock concert with an orchestra where they play a lot of uh, very famous video game music at a very high level, that was actually created by Jack Wall. And I, I think it's really interesting that 
I, I actually found out about that looking for Mass Effect music because in one of the video games lives, they did some Mass Effect music. But that's something that he was doing before he started composing for Mass Effect. And I think that I think uh, that's really important because it shows us that Jack Wall has already is just a huge fan of video game music as a composer. He he loves it. And uh, in an interview that uh, Pipe Man and I have have been watching. He talks a lot about how much he loves video game music and also video games just as a storytelling medium. He is a huge proponent of audio engineering and sound creation. Uh, he he mentions that if you want to be a video game composer, uh, you have to have some degree of audio engineering ability. And uh, we talked about this a little bit in the instrumentation uh, section. But a lot of the synthesizer sounds that we were talking about were actually created for Mass Effect. Uh, it's not, he doesn't have just like a Casio keyboard and he went to <laughs> keyboard number four, I'm gonna, and then composed Mass Effect. It's like, no, people are actually going into, into the, uh, the, I, I don't know anything about keyboards, but they're actually going into the mechanisms that create the sounds themselves and actually editing different sounds. And that's one reason that I think uh, Mass Effect music is stands out so much. Like I bet I bet somebody could play a single chord from a Mass Effect soundtrack, and you would know that it's from Mass Effect because it has such a a distinct sound to it. And the reason is because when you're using things like synthesizers, you can create a sound in a way that you can't with other instruments. If somebody's playing trumpet, like sure, all trumpet players sound a little different, but it still sounds like a trumpet. Imagine if you could create a different trumpet sound, like it makes it pretty unmistakable. Almost like you're altering the instrument itself. It, that is exactly what's happening. You are you are altering the sound of the instrument. You're essentially creating a new sound, and that that is a. I know that that is a long and storied tradition in synthesizer music, in general. And so Jack Wall's a huge fan of that. Uh, and you know, I'd be interested since you just said that he's primarily known for video games. Uh, he's almost certainly played through the trilogy. Then Jack Wall. And I wonder what kind of shepherd he played as. I'm gonna guess that he. Uh, hmm. I so j just judging from the interviews that I saw with him, I don't know what kind of shepherd he played, but I know that he played a shepherd that visited every single planet, because that man loves specificity and he has an in an incredible love of the Mass Effect world. He was, he was the lead composer for Mass Effect 1 and 2 and actually stepped away a little bit in Mass Effect 3. But uh, he, Bioware knew about him because he was, the, he was the composer for Jade Empire and they invited him back uh, to do Mass Effect. Um, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And so you were just talking about, you know, uh, visiting every world. And we had played, uh, you know, Uncharted Worlds, uh, courtesy of, of Pipe Man, a.k.a. Andrew, earlier. And so I, I see here in the notes that uh, there is a different composer who wrote the Uncharted Worlds piece. And there's an interesting story behind that one. Yeah. So we are all very lucky that Jack Wall is a very busy man because when uh, when Bioware initially asked him to be the lead composer for Mass Effect 1, uh, he said no. 
he was too busy. He had too many other projects going on. And didn't simply didn't have the bandwidth to uh, bring on a new project. And so Bioware auditioned a little composer named Sam Hulick. And the thing that he wrote that Sam Hulick wrote as his audition piece uh, was what we now know as Uncharted Worlds, the map music. And they, Bioware loved it so much that they they hired him. And uh, after, after that, it turned out that Jack Wall actually did have the time to participate uh, in Mass Effect. So, so they essentially went with their original plan of hiring Jack Wall to be the lead composer. And then they said, by the way, we heard this in the auditions and it's really something and we want you to listen to it. And he said he was just blown away. He said, like, hands down, Uncharted Worlds is Jack Wall's favorite piece in the entire trilogy. And it, I highly recommend listening to him talk about it in interviews because, boy, he loves it. Like, Can you imagine you audition? I mean, you write this simple little piece as what you would perceive to be a throwaway, you know, this is just to get me in the door kind of thing. Right. And then they end up restructuring the entire musical landscape around it. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's the the uh, those those two Jack Wall and Sam Hulick working together really really set the tone for Mass Effect. So we've talked a little bit about instrumentation so far, and something I want to talk on before I talk about the other composers is at this point they just hired Jack Wall, they just hired Sam Hulick, and we don't have much for Mass Effect other than Uncharted Worlds. We have we have that and uh, something that came from actually straight from Casey Hudson was kind of the Casey Hudson came up with the musical tone that he wanted to have for the game. And he said he wanted the synthesizer sound uh, to kind of evoke that science fiction sound. But he was very specific in saying he wanted an orchestral score but where it sounded like the synthesizer was a natural part of the orchestra. So I'm sure everybody can picture in their mind what an orchestra sounds like. What does a jazz band sound like? What does a rock band sound like? Uh, The reason you can do that is because those things have become very standardized. We were just talking about different instruments. Uh, Every instrument in the orchestra used to be an exotic, crazy thing, and then it was brought into the orchestra to represent a very particular thing. Uh, for example... We're all strangers before we were friends. Ex- exactly. For example, <laughs> I, as a percussionist, I can tell you the reason that timpani are in the orchestra is because that's what the Turks used as their war drums. And so when timpani were brought into the orchestra, supposed to represent the military. Same with trumpets. And now they're just a standard part of the orchestra because they got worked in people seem to like them and and they've stayed and so so he was kind of casey hudson was kind of imagining a future in which the synthesizer has been a part of an orchestra for a hundred years something like that so where it, it sounds it sounds like a natural part of the orchestra and it blends very seamlessly um so jack wall was the primary composer on mass effect one mass effect two and then Sam Hulick took over as the lead composer in Mass Effect 3. There's a couple other people who were involved in the writing process. It's important for you to 
the our listeners to know that kind of the way that this works was a little different from game to game. So Mass Effect 1, Jack Wall was kind of the primary composer. And what he would do is he would send little snippets out to every individual composer, and then they would kind of expand upon it and send it back to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why a lot of it sounds a little, I don't know if episodic, but it sounds a little bit like background music because it kind of started with one thing and then somebody built upon it. Um, And it's very common for composers to do that. Uh, But as Jack Wall will tell you, part of the reason that they did that is just because of the time constraints is because he couldn't do all the composing himself. And so he kind of had to start and then outsource it to other composers. Um, The uh, other composers on the game included David Cates, Christopher Leonards, Clint Mansell, Chris Velasco, Sasha DeKissian, and Richard Jakes. These are all people... Yeah, I was going to say, some of those names are pretty familiar, especially Clint Mansell. Clint Mansell, I know, had done the music for the movie Moon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's with Sam Rockwell. It's got some seriously hard sci-fi vibes to it. Highly recommend everyone to go check that out. But part of the reason why that movie was so moving and tragic and at times clinically depressing uh, (laughs) was because of the music done by Clint Mansell. Uh, But you're telling me that, that... Clint also worked on Mass Effect? Yep. All of these composers uh, participated in in Mass Effect. And these are all people who have some background in either film, TV, or or video game music. Um, And in interviews with all of them, they all have uh, some fairly similar opinions about Mass Effect music. And I think this is really, really important because... uh, Pipe Man can tell you, as musicians, a lot of what you do is kind of a slog. You know, we do a lot of practicing. You sit or lock yourself in a room for 10 hours a day and play your scales or whatever. You do a lot of gigs where you're just uh, like, oh, I have to be in a marching band because they're opening a new bank or something. So, like, you know, and, <laughs> and, and it's kind of all in the in the pursuit of, like, creating art. You know, you have to support I have yourself. Done you have to that. do a lot. Yeah. So, I... I have I have done exactly that. I've spent time, you know, playing drums in front of a fifth third bank in suburban Illinois getting $25 or whatever. But there's a very particular tone that every all musicians and artists, I think, in general kind of get when you get asked to do a thing and you're like, sure, I'll take a few bucks. And then uh, you get into it and you're like, oh, this is something. This is I get to make art today. And, and Pipe Man, I'm, I'm sure you can say that like when everybody, everybody can realize that pretty immediately and you really latch onto it. And it's something where you really, really want to go the extra mile. And that is exactly the sense that I got listening to all of these composers talk about Mass Effect. Even there were some that were already Mass Effect fans. Like some of these people didn't get on until Mass Effect 3. But every single composer speaks with such an intense amount of reverence about the games and about the music. And they, I, so that's, that's unique. First of all, that everybody was so incredibly invested in this project, not just professionally, but artistically, this, all of this music meant something to them, you know, 
they they all have played the games like that e- even that's fairly rare in like you know an in, in industrial world um they all also had a fairly similar aesthetic or the fairly similar things were important to them going in so the thing i noticed is everybody mentioned that uh that combination of the synthesizer in the orchestra every single composer mentioned that as this is what stands out to me about mass effect music uh and i think that that is really important that in in music uh it can be hard to work with a group sometimes because people have such different opinions and i think it's i think it's really really special that they got this team of people who were already very well established and all of these people kind of thought the same thing going in they all they kind of had the same values going in these people also on top of just like the aesthetic they all had an incredible reverence for video game music and video games as a storytelling medium you know they right. didn't and it's they, hard, hard enough to get three people in a room to agree with each other on anything let alone all have the same artistic vision uh about a blockbuster game series soundtrack exactly um, so i i wanted to ask too you've been saying this idea uh, of the synthesizer as as a natural part of the orchestra and i wanted to ask both of you there's a distinct difference to the untrained ear like mine that I hear when I compare the Mass Effect 1 soundtrack with the Mass Effect 2 and 3 soundtracks. There's a distinct difference. And I feel like to my, you know, like with my limited jargon and my limited vocabulary uh, as it is about music, it almost sounds like Mass Effect 1's soundtrack is is more hard sci-fi, whereas Mass Effect 2 and 3 is much more cinematic. And how much of that is due to the fact that they got better at integrating the synthesizer as an indistinguishable part of the orchestra? It's an interesting question. There's a, there's a couple sides to that. So one reason I would say it sounds like quote unquote hard sci-fi is I think Mass Effect 1, that synthesizer sound is a little bit retro. You know, it's not just sci-fi. It's kind of like sci-fi of the 80s. Um, uh, another reason would be the composition process we talked about, where everything kind of goes through Jack Wall. Uh, so he kind of, everything started in one place with one person's idea, and then other people kind of embellished on it. Um, another reason was that as the series progressed, uh, there was a shift towards people who had more of an orchestral background. Uh, there was also uh, a shift towards a different workflow where people were allowed to do a little more of their own thing. So I mentioned that early on, uh, it was kind of like Jack Wall starts everything, everything goes through him. Uh, Starting in the second game, um, they were able to give each composer a certain amount of things. So I heard uh, certain people say like, I was given Garrus or I was given Tali's level or something. And even though we said everybody agrees on things aesthetically, it's still hard to have everybody work together and make a single thing. And so there's there's also something very special artistically about having everything be one person's vision. And so if you go and listen to every single track in the Mass Effect 2 soundtrack, uh, 
they all feel very complete, I think, in a in a different way. And there's a there's a little more difference between all of them, but they're all very, very well composed. And one reason is that uh, everybody was given a little bit more artistic freedom to go through and just do one single thing from start to finish. And Jack Wall said that he he really liked being able to do that because it gave people the ability to really run with something and really go for it and make it make it their own and get a little more personally invested in each track. And I, I know that, uh, so that's pretty cool. I never knew that um, each person was given like, you know, oh, I, I got Tally, I got Garrus, I got Liara. That's mm-hmm. interesting that they split it up like that. So we're literally hearing the different visions of different people when we listen to those themes. Um, and, I, and I think all of the different, the actors, I'm going to call them actors, but in reality, they're video game characters, right? Um, because I'm not talking about the voice actors, but the uh, all of the different actors coming together with such poignancy and impact in the storyline and the music and everything. We were talking about this earlier this week about music being used in the storytelling medium, and we've al- already kind of addressed it. And I want to know how that relates to this word that I definitely cannot pronounce in the notes here. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce it purely for your amusement uh, and for everyone else listening. Uh, it looks like it, it's it's gesamt gesamtkunstwerking. Gesamtkunstwerking. <laughs> it's I'm actually, trying hard here. It's just a gesamtkunstwerk. Uh, I added the ing at the end as as a little joke. It was supposed to be a uh, working hard or hardly working joke, but <laughs> that that is a German oh my term. God, I just got that. I just oh, got man. that. Oh man! <laughs> Sorry for being it's, so hilarious, everybody. No, it's it's late it's, on the East Coast over here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so that is a German term that essentially means a total art form. Uh, so what does that mean? So let's talk about music in 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 media. Like when we when you look at uh, a TV soundtrack, what usually happens? It's kind of you know the beginning and the end transitions, things like that. When you talk about um, movie soundtracks, for the most part, what you're talking about is something that accompanies the action on stage, right, or on the screen. You're talking about something that enhances it. Um, Gesamtkunstwerk, uh, or the, the total art form, it's not a distinctly German thing, it just started there, is the idea that many different art forms are coming together to create one single entity. So it is something where the music is not accompaniment. The music is part of a whole it is inseparable from the drama it is the music is the storytelling just as much as what's going on on stage so would you classify Rannick as one of those kinds of pieces especially you know if things go south on Rannick and you can't stop the ensuing conflict I know the music is different then yes and I will I will get into some I won't go into every single thing in the entire trilogy but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, you know, why this works. So let's talk about a, a, 
Uh, I'm going to get into a brief explanation of opera. Uh, no, we're all huge opera fans here, right? <laughs> and Seven, what's the last opera you saw? La Boheme. Oh jeez! I oh, wow, God. look at that! <laughs> look Man, at that! <laughs> I was I was really hoping that you were going to be like oh, it was good. Uh, but man, yeah, nice One turn. Yeah, you you Best really are the legend. The <laughs> so the idea of opera is essentially that uh, uh, a, a play with music is good. You know, music plus drama equals a good thing, right? They had plays before opera. Then, you know, they decided to set things to music. Early on, when we're listening to opera, it is very uh, segmented, I, sh- I should say. There is a, uh, a musical thing that is just exposition and then a musical thing where a character has feelings about the exposition. And then there's a musical thing that is exposition. And then another character has feelings about the exposition. As my undergraduate music music history uh, professor would say, is we get the exposition, and then a character stands on stage and strikes their rage pose, and then they sing a song about how much rage they feel. And then something happens, and then a, another character strikes their love pose, and they sing a song just static in that pose about how much love they're feeling. And so that's kind of the way opera was for a very long time <laughs> until a little guy named uh, Richard Wagner started composing. So uh, uh, N7, do you have any idea who, who Wagner is? I'm sure you've heard his music before. I have uh, zero clue who Wagner is, but I can guarantee you I probably have heard his music before because his music, uh, well, if he's got anything to do with opera or anything adjacent to it, my mom almost guaranteed, like, definitely played it when I was growing up. Almost certainly. So, and everybody, go look up uh, Richard Wagner. Uh, just go to YouTube, type in uh, Wagner Opera. I guarantee you, you are going to recognize what you hear. Ride of the Valkyries, we've all heard that in 100 movies. We've all uh, listened to things like that in uh, Looney Tunes and whatever. So he was the first person uh, to famously come up with the idea of what if uh, the storytelling happened in the music just as much as it did on stage. Um, And it's important to know the distinction of what makes this different from what we normally think about, where like, you know, suspenseful music in a horror movie, right, makes you feel more on edge. It's a little more complex than that. It is that there is actual information about the story that the music is telling you that they might not be telling you on stage. There are certain things you are hearing in the music that are have information, that have exposition in them. And those things might be accentuated on stage. It might be the music is you know going along with what's on stage. It might be the music is telling you something that the characters have not told you yet. And I think, I think that's a really important distinction when we talk about this total art form about how dense it is and how inseparable the music is from the actual drama. So, so, so when you say the music is in, inseparable from the actual drama, what does that mean for Mass Effect? 
where do we see this specifically in Mass Effect and and how in in form? So in order to demonstrate that, I'm going to show you a little bit first how they do it in opera, and then uh, and then I'm gonna. Uh, show you how Mass Effect echoes that a little bit. So Wagner wrote a, a very famous series of operas that are all kind of about the same story. It's a, a series of four operas that are all like three or four hours long. Um, everybody, I guarantee you, has heard music from them. Any Marvel fans will recognize a couple of these things because it's all about Norse mythology. Uh, and it's called the, we call it now the ring cycle. And uh, just r really quickly, super basic breakdown of something that I'm going to talk about uh, is there is a hero character in one of these operas who is a human who has some dealings with the Norse gods like Wotan and all, all, those, uh, all those fun people. At some point, uh, Wotan up in Valhalla makes that guy a magic sword. He does heroic things with it. The first opera has nothing to do with that guy whatsoever. In fact, that our hero doesn't show up until the third opera. Um, really quickly, I'm going to play uh, some leitmotifs which is a kind of musical suggestion. It's, it's something that is written into the music that is supposed to suggest a certain thing. And Wagner was very specific in writing those and, and using them. So anytime you hear this in uh, that opera, you are supposed to think of that magical sword. Anytime you hear this in that opera, you are supposed to think of Valhalla, the home of the gods. And anytime you hear this, Marvel fans look out, you are supposed to think of the rainbow bridge, the thing that connects Earth to Valhalla. So the very end of that first opera ends with just the gods leaving Earth and going back into Valhalla. And this is the music pl that plays when that happens. You'll, you'll definitely hear the Valhalla theme. You'll hear that Rainbow Bridge theme. And I want you to uh, listen and see if you can hear something else.
See, we're already hearing that Valhalla theme. We're looking at Valhalla. Uh, N7, you can tell me as a as a non-current musician, like it was fairly easy to hear the the Valhalla and that Rainbow Bridge theme, right? You know, it's pretty easy to hear that they're going to Valhalla on that Rainbow Bridge. They, it is, yeah. It's if you're, I think if you're, if you know what you're listening for, it is. Um, right. To most of the untrained ears, if you don't know what you're trying to listen for, it might go way over your head, and and all you might think is subconsciously, okay, yeah, this sounds familiar. Like this is the theme of the thing that I'm watching. Exactly. It is subconscious. Now you you all got the. Uh, me explaining it, but if you were listening to a Wagner opera, opera, you would have spent the last three hours hearing that Valhalla theme whenever somebody is talking about Valhalla or whenever it's clear that somebody is thinking about it. Uh, and so what that does long term is it makes it so later on they can use the Valhalla theme when nobody is talking about Valhalla, when nobody's thinking about Valhalla, but the audience knows, wait a minute, this has something to do with Valhalla because I'm hearing that again. It's like it's, it's like a, another way of reinforcing things. We also heard that sword leitmotif, even though that sword is not in this opera. It's not even in the next one. It's in the third one. The It's... <laughs> You've got like seven more hours of opera to go before you start actually seeing that sword. And I think I think that is really crucial. Wagner was a bit long winded, but I think it's really fascinating that he was that long term uh, with with the payoff. And that has become it was popularized by him. He, He kind of invented it. But. It, he really revolutionized opera and the way that we think about music and storytelling. And before Wagner, this idea of using music to suggest something so specific uh, was not really much of a thing. You know, there was like a, a little bit of music suggests certain emotions or, or very clear things like we've talked about. For example, the example that I just used of a, uh, timpani being in the orchestra to represent the military but this was the first time where music was used uh melodically and harmonically as a storytelling device and the sword not showing up for then two more operas uh what must have felt like a lifetime Mm -hmm. uh back then uh (laughs) but the sword not showing up the leitmotifs have clued us in to 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 something that has not happened yet exactly and and so i'm like chomping at the bit here to understand what light motifs exist within the mass effect uh trilogy and when we hear them i mean there's got to be one for shepherd right there there are are quite a few for everybody uh before i i talk about those i'm i'm really quickly going to uh show everybody some other examples of non-Mass Effect uh, leitmotifs that you all most certainly know. This uh, I know this sounds very complicated because we're talking about opera, but I'm going to play something really quick. Uh, what does this make you think of? Mm-hmm. 
sand dune planet alien monsters. Uh, uh, questionable romances that later would reveal to become incest. No, I'm, of course I'm kidding about Star, Star Wars. <laughs> no, I, think, I think that makes just about anybody think, oh, I think somebody's about to use the Force. Which yes, is because yes. that is the Force theme. Uh, what about this one? Does this make you think of anything in particular? Florida. I'm kidding. Of course. So that's this the is Jaws, right? Right. And famously, Jaws, the shark movie without a lot of shark. What happens when you hear that music but you don't see a shark? You think shark. Everybody, yeah, everybody in the audience is immediately nothing has happened yet. That music comes on and everyone's like, get out of the water, please. What about this one? And those, that would be in reference to the Nazgul, correct? Right. You immediately think, get out of the road, you know? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. So that's an example of, uh, I mentioned earlier that I hoped that we were going to talk about this and everybody listening was going to be like, oh, I know what that is. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, now you know it is a thing and, you, and it is something you have been experiencing basically your whole life while consuming media. And you learned it here first on yeah, the Mass yeah. Effect forecast. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. The, the least likely of places you thought you might learn about operatic uh, terms and, and concepts. <laughs> so let's talk about how Mass Effect uses this. So there is a certain melody that I'm going to call the Shepherd theme because why not? That's who this game is about. It's about you. It's about Commander Shepherd. So... There's a theme that com keeps coming back at major points throughout the whole trilogy. Let's start with the first time we hear it in the main theme. So what's the, when's the first time you hear that theme? It's as you're walking through the Normandy and you're about to see the beautiful face of the character that you just created for the first time. You're about to get the big Almost, reveal of what is ever uniformly disappointing, by the way. I was like, have you seen his, uh, and was it, is it your ME3 playthrough, your Andromeda playthrough? Or, there's an abomination Andromeda somewhere. Playthrough. Oh, yeah, yeah, the total abomination. But I, I just want to go on the record and say that no matter how uh, beautiful you think that you've made your Mass Effect character, it is not as beautiful as anything that you could ever imagine uh, because come this scene where this music plays and then Shepard walks up the bridge and then stands behind Joker, looks out determined, you know, out of the, 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 the fucking galaxy and looks like a fucking idiot. 
<laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, Fimshep, Broshep, in the original Mass Effect uh, 1, every single character I made looked derpy. Super derpy, no matter what, in this scene. And yes, it's it's like awesome, because this main theme is like, here's the hero. And then... Merp. Like, like, then you just see your character and you're like, okay, this lighting is completely different. Thank you, lighting, for ruining this. But I digress. That's the that's the hill that I'm going to die on about that. That doesn't take away from the music, though. I th- I actually think that uh, as frustrating as that scene is for a lot of people, because I know that the like lighting is weird or whatever. I think the gift that they gave us of people making intentionally ugly shepherds and having it having the lead up to that reveal oh, those videos are so funny it's fantastic. and i fantastic i absolutely worth all the all the frustration of thinking oh do i have to remake this guy uh oh yeah to see those videos so let's talk about some other very important points in the story let's let's talk about uh the f- when and these are other points that we can expect to hear the same light motif We'll we'll get to that. It's a it's a Look surprise. At Sam using the vocabulary. Yeah. the <laughs> the the surprise is I'm going to uh, I'm going to draw everyone's attention to some major story points and see if see if you can uh, hear something th- similar in all the music. So uh, now we're at a point where the f- a major step forward for humanity, the first ever human specter, is inducted into the specter program. Another another major point, uh, the decision about whether or not the Rachni are go extinct or live as a species. What's an, what's another uh, major thing that everybody remembers from the first game? Uh, what 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 do you what would we all say is probably the number one question that everybody asks you about Mass Effect One? What's like the decision that everybody remembers? Yeah, uh, well, the first one that comes to my mind is did you did you save the council? Uh, just before that. I think oh, the, I, oh, think I think there's an even more something something on on a planet that starts with a V. Uh, is that what you're referencing? Yeah. So <laughs> when everybody asks you, Caden or Ashley, <laughs> although to be fair, Sam, actually now that I think about it, the Shepherd theme which is what I'm calling that. I'm pretty sure actually is in the uh, Battle of the Citadel. Look, you're, you're, you're already priming my mind to like, mm-hmm. you know, recognize without cue where this theme might exist in the game. Right. So they do a great job of setting it up. It's all over the place in Mass Effect 1. Let's uh, jump forward in time a little bit to when we see the reveal of the Normandy SR2.
Hmm, that melody sounds familiar. What's a what's <laughs> yes, another major part in uh, Mass Effect Two? Let's wait, say you know how what? about I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there for a second just because mm-hmm. I thought of this. So using the Shepherd theme with the same modulation pattern as the Citadel, which That's is exactly what I oh, heard. Oh man, which is the reveal of something absolutely big bombastic right yeah Hmm. that's that's pretty awesome and i think if you if you if you're listening to this after the fact you can do it you can go back and listen to when pipe man went ahead and played for us the citadel butchered and then listen to the normandy reborn uh that we just played and undoubtedly you're gonna hear the similarities there so pretty interesting that Shepard, the Citadel, Normandy Reborn would be so intricately tied together musically. I mean, for you music geeks out there, I think, and I will have to confirm this later, but I do believe we're using the same modulatory patterns, which is modulation by third, um, which yes, I'm, I'm not going to explain. I'm not going to explain <laughs> here, right? Lost you, but it's it's uh, for for uh, for the lay people. It's you know essentially taking that same melody and placing it elsewhere um elsewhere on the keyboard and you know and moving it up or down by a a a specific distance to make it sound um just that that much more impressionable that much more you know gung-ho this 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 whole i I'm going to I'm going to go uh I'm I'm going to go test this theory and I will get back to you. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds nice. good. And and there's a couple of other times in the later games Mass Effect 2 and 3 that we hear this this light motif as well, right Mike? Yeah, good example is uh some some would say that this is like the peak of the whole trilogy. Let's 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 listen to the music that happens right as you are escaping an exploding collector base in the uh, suicide mission at the end of Mass Effect 2. That's one of my favorite examples because it's a little different in that one. They've kind of... Uh, that song and, is so kick-ass. <laughs> yeah. It, it's in a different time signature. They've embellished it a little bit. It's one of those things where the, the Shepherd theme is kind of hidden within another melody. But when I'm playing them back-to-back rapid fire like this, it's a lot easier to to hear them. Uh, so, wait. Real you quick just, about that one. Yeah. That was the last run mm-hmm. by Jack Wall, right? And that that exact song is super dangerous to play if you're driving, <laughs> because agreed you're gonna fucking gun it. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you're just gonna want to take off and like speed limits be damned because you're escaping the fucking collectors. <laughs> and Mike, you said something really interesting there about time signature, which I I did not talk about at all. You know, and just very, very basic. We are standard music is written in what we call four four or common time, and if we if we divide all the little beats up, we can count to eight. Th- that that last example you played only had seven, which mm-hmm. to me, it it sort of it it there's this whole anticipation thing. 
you know, you're not, you're, you're, you're not giving me the full value. You're accelerating my anticipation of, of things. So are you telling me that, that one of the pieces in which the shepherd light motif is present has a time signature of seven as in in seven? Ooh, I is like that, that what you're telling me? Stop the podcast. It's <laughs> in. It's shit. in. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've we got that theme, yeah, which is in a, a slightly off-kilter time signature, which kind of makes you wonder, are we going to make it out of here? Uh, here's a, an example from Mass Effect 3. This is another super epic scene. Uh, you know, Shepard has round, rounded up all the fleets, we're about to uh, uh, go take on the Reapers, hopefully for the last time. And everybody drops out of the relay and we hear this. So, right away, I'm hearing Wagner. <laughs> like right well, away, I'm 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 hearing that, and I think I'm gonna be sleeping, and I'm gonna it's gonna enter my mind tonight because right away I was hearing like very similar patterns to what you just played earlier, uh, probably more so than any of the other instances of Shepard's light motif, and 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 like scene wise and, and narrative wise, how fitting, right? Exactly. Uh, epic and slow. That's that's Wagner in a nutshell. So I think that what this theme does is it kind of reiterates that everything in this trilogy revolves around Commander Shepard, right? Without Shepard, none of this would be possible. Uh, let's uh, just real quickly go over a few other little leitmotifs uh, that happen in the series, or rather... I just want to test how much music kind of uh, has latched itself into everybody's mind. So what do, what do we think of uh, when we hear this from Mass Effect 2? So right away, I'm thinking about the collectors. Exactly. So that's the that's part of the uh, collectors theme, which we hear again on Horizon and elsewhere. Uh, this is a good example, kind of going back to what I was saying about Wagner with that sword motif. Uh, this is directly taken from the very opening of Mass Effect 2. So we're hearing the collectors theme. We don't know who the collectors are yet, and and we're we're hearing their theme. Um, and that pays off later later in the game as you as you start to associate that theme with you know dread and when joker says i'm pretty sure it's when joker whenever joker makes the uh distinction it's the same ship it's the same mm -hmm. ship been dogging us for two years exactly <laughs> it's the same leitmotif <laughs> it's the same leitmotif <laughs> 
That should have been the that should have been the line, in my opinion. The fourth wall breaking Love it. <laughs> line from Seth Green. And even even without like specific light motifs, like a very a very specific melody meaning a certain thing. So something that was also borrowed from Wagner was just how how much we associate certain music with a certain person, right? So uh, I'm going to play something really quickly. Let me know if this makes you think of any character in particular. So it sounds kind of sneaky. I don't know. It's like a huh, sneaky. Do we know I, anybody sneaky from Mass Effect? You know, right away the lines come to my mind. Don't you turn your back on me, Shepard? I made you. I brought you back. <laughs> not, not, sneaky. not quite. I'll give you a hint. The melody was played by a traditional Japanese instrument. Oh, was do you know it anybody really? sneaky in Japanese from Mass Effect? <laughs> you know, I think there was a certain DLC character. That's right. Uh, who some people may or may not have included on their journey, uh, but that would have been, of course, the master thief, correct? Right, Kasumi Goto. That is Kasumi's so, theme. So, what is the what is the what is the instrument that we're hearing then? Uh, that's theme? a. I think it's a koto. Is, that, is it a koto? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right, and and an, another going back to what we talked. To, about a little bit with orchestration and how, how much they did to the synthesizer to make it blend with the orchestra and then also editing the sound of the orchestra to make it kind of blend in with the synthesizer. A lot of these uh, instruments like the Koto, like the Duduk that we talked about that would have stood out normally, they kind of edited the sound a little bit to make it blend more with the soundscape that was going on. And I think, I think that's a, a very interesting thing that they did with orchestration. I've got I've got uh, w one more piece of music that I think we uh, associate with a very specific character, and I'm going to do my impression of what what every single Mass Effect fan uh, felt in Mass Effect Three. You've just you've gone through hell. You just got off Earth. You've been track trying to find Liara on Mars. You got to get some stuff from the Mars archive. And you get there and it's gone? What do you mean it's gone? And this is your reaction before you see anybody. This is what's going on in everybody's head when they hear this. That mother God! I knew it! <laughs> oh, I swear to God. It had to be him. God. <laughs> you you hear that that uh, for this? Right, right. You the I remember the first time I played this game, the moment I heard like the little like drone part of that before any real music came in, I was immediately like, not again. <laughs> not oh I I should have known. You son of a bitch. Right. <laughs> and and kind of exactly what I've been talking about the whole time, where this is supposed to 
the music is supposed to do as much storytelling as what's going on on screen or or in the game. And I know I'm certain every single person who played Mass Effect 3, the moment they heard that music, because it's before you see him, they hear that music and they're immediately like, Of course, like, we're talking oh. about the elusive man. Exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I remember, well, if it isn't Martin Sheen, him again one of the best voice actors by the way in the entire series probably in my opinion at least his performance is just incredible for the illusion oh yeah um but yeah nevertheless that 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 leitmotif is so well drilled into our minds i think at that point because of all Mm -hmm. of mass effect 2 and especially the way mass effect 2 ends you know with you walking away from him and more or less no matter what you say you've effectively told him to go fuck himself um So, yeah, at that point, it, it primes us pretty well for, you know, the, the classic turning around looking for this, you know, uh, very, very, very uh, awesome light motif uh, there. So all this music is very associated with a person. It might be associated with a thing. Uh, but I want everybody to take a moment and just reflect on the fact that this is none of this is by accident. All these composers are classically trained uh, composers. Not, well, maybe not classically trained, but they all know these things. These are, this is part of the craft of being a composer is is knowing how to do this, knowing how to take a, a theme and embellish it, knowing how to make something associated with a certain person. Right. And all and, the composers and- that we talked about, uh, a lot of them have an orchestral background and this is all very specific none of none of this is by accident these are all very very conscious choices that i i hope now that we've talked about it a little more uh can help you understand just how how much effort and artistry just really masterful artistry went into this game that you love so much and yeah narrative wise i i always tell people that like especially about this game that when you stop and you take a step back and you're looking at fiction and you consider the fact that everything that has happened the author wrote on purpose none of it is coincidence it's you know fiction is not real life novels are not real life so therefore everything that happens is on purpose rarely is it ever like an accident from the writers maybe if you're more likely talking about something that didn't happen maybe that's on accident but when you're talking about things that did happen and music included i'm glad you brought that up nothing is an accident in fiction it's all on purpose um so and if if you liked a little bit of if you liked everything that we talked about here, there's a, a documentary called Composing Mass Effect that you can find on YouTube. There's one for each game that I highly recommend everybody look at because all the composers talk about the composition and you uh, you hear a little more of what we've been talking about with the specificity and how things are supposed to direct your attention to certain things or make you think of certain things. Something that we talked about a little bit earlier is sound design. Um, uh, well, I guess before I should get into that, I, I should say all, all these composers really, really loved video games as a storytelling medium. I think they all really recognize that video games can tell a story in a way that a book can't, in a way that a TV show can't, in a way that a movie can't. It's something that you are immersed in personally. 
and even aside from that, if you're playing the whole trilogy, that's like 150 hours that you have to tell a story. Like you can do something yeah. really, really special. Whenever I think about like, what if they made a Mass Effect movie? I'm like, how could they? Like, not a th- movie. Yeah, the the part of the beauty of something like Mass Effect is that it is so complex, and the beauty of it is how all these things work together. And you really need time to tell a story like that. You need time to get to know Morden. You need time to really uh, think about the pros and cons of all the decisions that happen and, and know, like, what are, like, why should I think one way about the Rachni or the Krogan versus another? And all the political goings on is all really complex. And I think knowing the ins and outs of everything is part of what makes uh, these games so beautiful. And you also need time to touch the waterfall. And touch the feces analyzer on Sir Kesh. Uh, exactly. Ar- <laughs> arguably the, the most important things in the, in the whole game. And, and, and speaking of Solarians, you just brought up Morden, right? Right. Um, and I, don't, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't do, like at least address the Solarian in the room, Morden, uh, when talking about the music of Mass Effect. I see here that you have some notes in well, regards to Morden. Of course. I mean, we we can't talk about the music of Mass Effect without talking about the Mass Effect universe's finest musician, can we? Uh, when everybody, I hear, I have heard so, so many times that the moment that people really fell in love with Morden is when he sings Scientist Solarian in Mass Effect 2. Um, and something I have talked about on this very podcast before is that that is a funnier, more complex joke than most people know. Most people think, oh, this is just some crazy song that he sings. Oh, it's much more than that. (laughs) So the song that he is actually singing is a reference to a opera by a a group called Gilbert and Sullivan called the Pirates of Penzance. The, The song Scientist Solarian is based off of what is without a doubt their most famous tune, uh, Modern Major General, which is a, a song about a, a British Major General who is the a, a real Renaissance man, knows everything about mathematics, philosophy, science. This He's got thousands of books, et cetera, et cetera. He knows everything about everything except war. He doesn't know anything about – he doesn't, re- doesn't really know very much about being a general. And the joke there, of course, is that Morden knows very little about being a practitioner for a human crew. <laughs> well, if if we if we were to, I highly recommend everybody just go look up Modern Major General on YouTube. I guarantee you, the first thing that'll come up is the recording that I'm about to play. You see this guy strut like just looking ridiculous in his uh, uh, in knickers and and uh, spats. That's what they're called. Uh, giant hat. It comes out with like a parasol that he's holding. Uh, the definition of flamboyant. Ex- exactly. And and sings uh, this, a very complicated tongue twister of a song. So let, let's hear a little yeah. bit of this before we talk about why specifically this is so funny that Morden sang it. Life information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the Pikes historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. 
I'm very well acquainted too with matters mathematical. I understand equations both the simple and quadratical. About binomial theorem, I'm teeming with a lot of news. Ooh, lot of news, lot of news. <laughs> Got it. With many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. <laughs> So that song is is partly famous because it's like silly and funny, but it's also partly famous because it's incredibly difficult to sing. Uh, not necessarily because it goes very high or low, because you'll notice he's not really singing so much as he's kind of speaking in a, in a certain tone. But it's a real tongue twister, and it's, it's really hard to say all of those things, especially as the song goes on for uh, three or four minutes. It's really hard you know, not to trip over your words. Um, and one uh, performance practice thing that happens a lot in, because that song is so famous, especially for being a tongue twister, is this is in, this is in the middle of one of the acts and it is not uncommon for the soloist to get a standing ovation after this because everyone is so impressed. And then <laughs> rather than waiting until the e end of the opera to do an encore, the audience will usually clap so much that the person has to come out and do it again. Like just, it's kind of it's a great acknowledgement of like just how how people love theater and and musical theater. Uh, and something that is very very common is when people come out for their encore, they will sing it again, but each verse go faster and see how fast can we go before you know you break so that particular performance has a great encore and it, here's what it sounds like uh after they've gotten the audience to sit down a little bit So in that particular performance, he just kind of keeps on going and going until he kind of breaks down and he just walks off stage and gives everyone a very fun musical theatery wave and the audience loves it. So I think that this is a really funny thing to have Morden sing because uh, as, as they say, he does the patter songs. You would call that a patter song, something where you are uh, speaking more than singing and, and very quickly. Uh, because he's a Solarian. Their brains work so much faster than ours. Everybody says, right. what does Kelly Chambers say? He's like a, he's like a hamster who had too much coffee. So <laughs> nobody <laughs> could sing Modern Major General faster than a Solarian, right? Oh, no one could. No one in the galaxy. <laughs> it's, it's also the kind of thing where being into Gilbert and Sullivan kind of has the same vibe as when somebody is like particularly into Shakespeare, where it's supposed to say that they're cultured in kind of a very scholarly way. In a slightly hoity-toity, if that way. Uh, right. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's an added layer of joke on there, too, in that... Michael Beatty, I believe, was the name of the voice actor for Morden in Mass Effect mm -hmm. 2. And Michael Beatty played in a TV production of Pirates of Penzance in 1985. Exactly. So, so this is a callback to that as well, uh, which is even brilliant. funnier. Yeah. And if you, if you 
hang out with Morden again uh, in Mass Effect 3, he'll you kind of hear him singing it under his breath a little bit. And you also hear him singing uh, a song called The Krogan Queen, which is a reference to yet another number from that same opera uh, called the, the Pirate King from Pirates of Penzance. So it's not the only Gilbert and Sullivan reference that is in Mass Effect. You know, as speedy as Morden is and, and as fast as a Salarian could sing that song, uh, you know, Scientist Salarian, as speedy as it is, I, I almost want to hear an Elcor try and sing uh, <laughs> oh my Modern God. Major General just because it would be pure tor- torture to listen to that. <laughs> well, that's because you want to hear an Elcor do anything. I do. And, you're, um, and just you're, you're right to want all that. all elcor hamlet was not bad enough uh we need gilbert and sullivan's production uh maybe a volus maybe a volus could do that um uh, needed to take a breath every three seconds mm-hmm. yeah oh, so painful. i i just think that's that painful, is that's yeah. scientist solarian is such a great joke because I just going back to like the first time I saw it, like the way he says, like, oh, they always had me do the patter songs, which which suggests not only can he speak really fast, but it also maybe suggests that he doesn't have the greatest singing voice like that. He's really into it, but maybe he's not the best. But it also kind of being really into Gilbert and Sullivan is kind of like, you know, Captain Picard from Star Trek is a very into Shakespeare. That's supposed to suggest that he's very like literate and scholarly and artistic as well as being a great captain being particularly into gilbert and sullivan is kind of like giving somebody the uh the renaissance man credit of being really into opera but being kind of silly and ridiculous as well because they wrote exclusively very silly comic operas right so so his his scholarly credibility is already established with the player well before he goes into that scientist larian song so this does help to try and humanize him for lack there of a better term uh and and give him a more well-rounded you know dynamic likable uh characteristic so in that regard i think it, it probably accomplishes its goal now um I tell you what, we've been going on for here about two hours now. Definitely, we've given our fans the uh, double the amount of content in in one week that we normally do, and, and that's thanks to both of the incredibly intelligent, like I said, uh, and, and always entertaining uh, musicians who have been uh, with me here. But I, I do need to ask you one question before we wrap up here, and it's something that I wish I had asked at some point beforehand, uh, but... What is your fav- favorite mus- musical moment or track within any of the Mass Effect games? Mike, would you like to answer first? That is a a really hard question for me to answer, as I, I'm sure we all will say, because it's really hard to pin down one thing as being the best. Not only because there's so much good, because there's all there's so much good in these games in so many different ways, right? Like, Scientist Solarian is great because it makes us laugh and loves Morden. Other songs make us cry because we love Morden. You know, a lot of things make you feel triumphant in these games and, like, you can accomplish anything. A lot of things, a lot of points in the game make you feel really scared and, like, you can't accomplish anything. I think 
going back to what I was saying about how special video games are as a storytelling medium is that there's so many highs and lows uh, and there's there's so you can develop such a, a personal relationship with the characters in these games and in the world because you're able to experience so much in it in a way that you aren't able to with a 90 minute movie or something like that. Yes. And so absolutely. It, it's hard for me to pick a specific thing that I think is like, this is my favorite, but I think I'm going to pick uncharted worlds as probably if I had to pick one, I would pick that because I think that that is the most, uh, I think it represents a lot of the Mass Effect world. It represents yeah. exploration. It represents, you know, being on the Normandy with your crew. It it re it represents, as we talked about, Jack Wall's favorite piece. Every composer mentioned that as one of their favorites. It it really represents the aesthetic of the games, musically and mm. in in so many other ways. So I think a lot of players would probably agree with you there, even the ones who are not musically trained at all. They would probably think, yep, Uncharted Worlds, that's my jam. And that's the Mass Effect song. Um, that's, that's probably what people think. I'm just judging this off of the fact that YouTube has like 12 hour long, like, you know, like, like 12 hour long of Uncharted Worlds. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. You need 12 <laughs> hours of Uncharted Worlds, but Godspeed to you if that's what gets you through. Um, Pipe Man, what's your favorite musical moment or track from the game? Um, man, that's so that's a fantastic question, and I I have to agree with Mike. You know, it's like they're all so good for so many different reasons. But um, I I recall that I did make a um, a promise earlier in the episode um, before the mid break to. Um, to demonstrate the um, the use of Mixolydian mode um, and how it's used in the game. So, just for you guys, <laughs> oh, I have man. a set of. Uh oh, get ready for this. Um, I have a set of small pipes, bagpipes, but they're they're small pipes, so they're they're nice and quiet, um, which I think will explain my, one of my favorite pieces. So if you're listening, if you've listened this far, you've got a special treat. You get to hear Pipe Man play the bagpipes right now. Uh, and I am sitting at the edge of my seat waiting for this.
Oh, that was bloody fucking brilliant, mate. <laughs> I think Donnelly it's would be so psyched. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Probably important to point out that Pipe Man has spent the last part of the, or the most of the last uh, thirty to forty minutes like gesticulating wildly with a bottle of scotch in one hand. It's so it's so on. I mean, uh, on you're not point. wrong. <laughs> this is par for the course in the Mass Effect Lorecast community. Um, if you're a big fan of the game, well, clearly if you're listening to this, but if you're if you're a big enough fan of the games that you'd like to get involved with with you know like all of the shenanigans that we get up to, we have the Discord channel that I I hope you have already joined, but if not, that you'll consider joining. Uh, and it is in the Robots Radio Discord. That link is going to be in the show notes. Um, thank you so much, uh, Pipe Man. Thank you so much, Mike, for showing up and and prepping this amazing episode of the Lorecast and the music of Mass Effect. I I've enjoyed it. I hope everyone that's been listening has and has enjoyed it, even you know a tenth of as much as as I have. And um, capping this with the uh, vigil on the bagpipes was probably the best possible way we could have ended this. Um, I'll let you uh, each you know sign off. Uh, if, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, how how should they get a hold of you, uh, Pipe Man? Um, well, you can, I mean, socially, you can find me on the, on discord. Um, I'm usually on there. Um, if not, you know, you know, send a message. I'm, I'm always happy to talk mass effect, um, and music. Um, professionally though, if you are a fan of music, um, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but, um, visit pipemanstudios.com. Um, there you can kind of learn more about what I do and the music I write. Um, I'm on, I, I know I'm on Spotify and iTunes and, um, most of the dis- distribution lists. Um, I've got three albums, including one that's all traditional Irish music. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where you find me. Hit me up. I'd love to talk. Awesome. Awesome. And, and Mike? How can people get a hold of you? I'm on the Discord uh, as well, but a little harder to get uh, a hold of there. You can, uh, like I said, I use my real name on the internet, Michael Basic. Find me on Facebook or Instagram. I don't mind. Send me an email. I'll talk about Mass Effect music as well. Or, or if you need a percussionist in Southern California, I'm one of those, and that's where I am. But you know, you're if you're a contractor, you're probably not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> you never at, know. At least there are Mass not, Effect fans in the furthest reaches of the galaxy. Yeah, I was. You're probably at least not two hours in because you really need to find somebody to cover timpani on a certain day. Oh, you know, yeah, I just I realized. I just realized that, like, I was like, "Yeah, I'm all over." Like, buy my music. It's not Pipe Man. Like, no, my name is Andrew Thompson. T H O M S O N. Go find my music. It's not under Pipe Man. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the name of your studios. It correct. You know, come you know, fly out to the East Coast. Um, come record. Let's you know, let's have a beer, let's have a coffee, let's talk, you know, talk Mass Effect. Have a scotch. Yes. Sounds good. 
I am uh, so down. I will I will chat Tom up about that one. Um, but anyway, uh, Tom, I know you're going to be listening to this after the fact, so we apologize for giving you a lot of audio to edit, but we wish you were here, buddy. Uh, I, I hope you're feeling better. And um, from all of us here at the Lorecast, um, to everyone who's been listening, take care. And next week, next week, we are going to be hearing from Pipe Man and Mike again because it is the uh, patron episode. And we also have another special patron to welcome on, Beige Lunatics, who was the winner of the previous contest. So next week is going to be the... uh is going to be the patron episode, and I don't believe that the patrons have chosen what they're going to speak about so far. It might be the previously discussed idea of, a, of who you'd cast in a Mass Effect movie. I don't think it's been decided on, but next week uh, we will be you know, doing the patron episode, and it should go out one week from whenever you're hearing this. So, uh, yeah, from all of us here at the Lorecast, thanks for tuning in to this special episode of the music. And if you liked it, if you want to hear more music episodes, please let us know. You can email us at MassEffectLorecast uh, at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, MassEffectCast. Um, you can find us pretty much anywhere. You can find me, in 7 the Legend, on Twitch, Twitter, anything. Uh, just type in at in 7 the Legend. Give me a follow. I am streaming on Twitch. If you're interested in watching that, I'm streaming a Mass Effect Legendary Edition playthrough. I'm doing that on Saturdays. I'm playing FemShep, so I'm doing Sassy Shep Saturdays. And that's from 3 to 6 uh, p.m. Pacific. That's 6 to 9 Eastern. No, that was not intentional, but it's hilarious and I'll stick to it. Uh, and I'm also doing Miscellaneous Mondays. So every Saturday, every Monday, 3 to 6 Pacific, 6 to 9 uh, Eastern, I will be streaming at N7 The Legend on Twitch. Please give me a follow. Uh, and we will catch you next week, Spectres. So thanks so much and take care. Thanks for tuning into the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com.